And this, my sweet baby, we're connected. I feel what it feels, and I can't explain it, but I sense its goodness, its love. Welcome to Welcome to Storybrooke. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And I really liked this episode. I did, until we got to the very end, and then I remembered what made me so angry this season. Oh yeah, no, this this episode is an amazing episode, but it ruins Hook forever. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I remembered, I, I can't believe I'd forgotten this, but I remembered that when we watched this the first time, I was so sure they were going to do a fake out, and Hook was not going to be the worst. But, spoiler alert, that's not what's happening. Hook is the goddamn worst. Yeah, Hook's pretty terrible from this point on. Which is kind of a shame, because in this episode, I wrote down in my notes, Hook is us for the whole first half. He's running around being like, what is your motivation? Why is this happening? Someone just explain what you're doing. Honestly, Emma, if Emma had been more clear about her motivation, but... Uh. I guess part of what goes down is on her, but I also wrote down, this is the episode where people run around stopping other people from doing what needs to be done. I'm honestly not super clear why she was so mad at David and Mary Margaret at the beginning of the season either. I don't get why Hook is so mad at the end of this episode, but let's jump into it, I guess, so that we can talk about that. Yes, so... This is episode eight of season five, Birth. We are in book seven, It's Only a Model, chapter eight. Now, previously on Once Upon a Time, Emma took a whole fucking episode to reforge Excalibur and the Dark One Dagger into one blade, which is capable of cutting magic from the world. And importantly, no longer controls people, so it doesn't control the Dark One or presumably Merlin anymore. We saw in the flashback, Zelina ridiculously easily enchanted the non-Dark One half of Excalibur to control Merlin. It is really ridiculous. We saw how much work it took Merlin to turn the Dark One dagger into a sword that would control Nimue. And Zelina, who doesn't even have any special powers, she's just a wicked witch, manages to do it, like, by snapping her fingers? I don't buy it. Yeah. The storybook crew in the present also found out that Arthur is evil, or at least he was trying to keep them from contacting Merlin by burning the crimson cap. The episode opens with David confronting his boyfriend about all the lies. With a gun! When did- I guess we've seen David with a gun before. It's been a while, though. I don't think we've really seen him with one since, what, the episode where the townsfolk were after Ruby? Yeah, he doesn't really use a gun. He prefers the visceral feel of- stabbing someone with his own two hands he wants to feel it when you kill someone yeah i guess so this whole sequence by the way is shot really dramatically the use of light and shadow especially david's shadow in the tent when he goes in to confront arthur is really 
striking and also very out of tone for how this show usually is. So David did not go to confront Arthur alone. He brought his boys with him, specifically Robin Hood and Hook. Why would you not bring Regina? Someone with magical powers? Yeah, it would make the whole thing a lot easier. I guess we have to justify these people being in the main cast, but... I, I hate to be all Willow during season six, but kind of magic would solve all their problems all the time. Right? Anyway, David storms into the tent, and Arthur's like, hello, friend. And David's like, was I a bet? Oh, yeah, we're real Freddie Prince Jr. in every movie in the 90s. What happened to him? He married Buffy. He did. And I, after he married Buffy, he realized he didn't have to work anymore because he already had the best girl and enough money. Mm-hmm. I think he's in one of the Star Wars cartoons. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. He was Fred in the live-action Scooby-Doo movie. Ooh, that was like a decade ago. Yes, that was a while ago. And Sarah Michelle Gellar was Daph. Yeah. Okay, so I like Scooby-Doo conceptually. I think it has a very strong core concept, but I feel like most adaptations of it are bad because it just exists as a corporate property. I thought you were going to say most adaptations of it are bad because most adaptations of it are... Are deconstructive? Yeah, they're like... Unnecessarily deconstructive. They're dark and gritty. Like, we don't need... We don't need to see the underside of Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo, if anything, is the light side of a thing that's already dark, which is the massive corporate takeover of society and the fact that the only people willing to stand up with it are a group of meddling kids. That's a dark thing. Scooby-Doo is a light take on it. Yeah, that's why I'm always like, you know, you see the robot chicken or whatever parodies of it where they're all getting killed by Jason or Freddy Krueger or whatever. And you're like, no, you took an incredibly dark concept, you know, hey, guess who's behind all of the bad things in the world? Rich white dudes who just want more money or power or property. You took it and you were like, no, you know what? What if they all got killed by whoever? You made something less deep. You normal owled it. You normal owled it. That's not the reason why the Scooby-Doo movie is bad. The Scooby-Doo movie is bad because James Gunn really, really hated Scrappy-Doo. Wait, wait. Did you not know? I did not know that. Yes, Guardians of the Galaxy uh, director James Gunn is the man behind the live-action Scooby-Doo movie. What? Okay, I kind of want to watch it, but also I need to go back. You think the problem with the live-action Scooby-Doo movie is the Scrappy-Doo stuff? Well, I mean, I think that's like the whole core concept behind it. Do you, I mean, do you think that the problem is that the twist villain is Scrappy-Doo and not an old white guy? Well, it just makes it a tale about revenge. Oh, okay. When it shouldn't be. It should be about dismantling systems that do not work. That's what Scooby-Doo should be about. Strong feelings about Scooby-Doo. Oh, right. Once upon a time. Yes. Okay, so Arthur realizes that he's been caught out, I guess, and takes off running. And David slices through the wall of the tent to chase him. It's a little over the top, David. So we have a chase scene through the woods. David is in his element, but Hook is the one who gets the man. See, because Hook is a villain chasing after someone in the woods, Arthur falls prey to story tropes and trips over a root. It's true. And then Hook is able to do the villain thing where he just calmly walks up to him. But then Arthur is able to trip him, 
disarm him, and Arthur's like, looks like someone brought a hook to a sword fight. And Hook's like, I brought a sword, you just disarmed me, dumbass. It's pretty great. But turns out Emma, not super hot on her boyfriend getting murdered by some beardo in the woods. Emma shows up with Excalibur and is like, get away from him, you bitch. And he's like, what the fuck? You put Excalibur back together? I've been trying to do that for literally years. And she's like, yeah, and it took me a whole five minutes. Yep. And tosses him into a tree. Okay, so so Emma's doing this weird Christian Bale Batman thing with her voice that she wasn't doing before. Yeah, I was going to point that out. I'm like, what's going on? Like, she, she... This is because you refuse to accept... I can't do Batman's voice. Hold on, let me try again. You already abandoned me when you refused to accept me back on the ship. Uh, no, no, it's flatter than that. It's. Well, it, no, let me try. Okay. You already abandoned me when you refused to accept me on the ship. No, no, see, you have emotion in it. She's flatter. Okay, you, you do it. You already abandoned me when you refused to accept me on the ship. It's huskier than that, though. It, it is. It's huskier, but it's also flatter. She has less inflection than she normally does. I'm the dark one. That's good, right? Yeah. <laughs> You see, that one's easier because it's so close to I'm Batman. Doesn't matter, I'm the dark one. So Hook's like, so you're saving my life. And Emma's like, yeah, have you not been paying attention? And Hook is like, I was trying to pay attention, but I have no idea if you're good or evil. If you could just tell me if you're good or evil, it would be a lot easier going forward. He tells her, you have all this power, but you don't have the courage to answer a simple question. And Emma's like, okay, I'm, I'm leaving now. I don't have to deal with this. And Hook says, no matter what you do, you always have your reasons. And she's like, I sure do. I'm doing it for you. And then she remembers she can teleport and she bamps out. It was weird that she was walking away before just to give him room to ask her what she was doing this for. Well, I mean, we know forgetting how to teleport is definitely a thing. Mm. After credits, we go back to the flashback where Emma has just procured Prometheus's flame and was walking back with Merlin when he disappeared. Hmm. Yeah, okay, here's the thing. It was kind of funny that the last thing we saw was them having a conversation and then he vanished because Arthur summoned him with Excalibur. But here, Emma walks into the diner and is like, all right, I got the flame, where's the sword? And Henry says, well, they're not back, where's Merlin? And she's like, oh, he disappeared, but I wasn't really concerned about it. Yeah, she she's just like... He vanished, I guess. And then she's like, oh, I guess there was probably something weird about that. I just assumed he didn't want to listen to me talk about you. So Merlin shows up and mystically freezes everyone in the diner. Merlin fills in Emma on what happened last episode, that Zelina is free and that she put some sort of whammy on the Excalibur part of the sword. So now it controls him and her whole family is going to die unless she... Unless she gives Arthur the Dark One dagger and the flame. He has forced Merlin to bring them all out into the woods and tie them to trees. Because, sure, why not? And he'll force Merlin to kill them unless she, you know, helps him reunite Excalibur. Okay, so I know Arthur probably doesn't have any way to know this. But won't reuniting Excalibur and the Dark One dagger mean that neither one of them is effective at controlling magical people anymore? Well, that's what happened when Emma reunited them, but that could have been part of the spell that she cast. Mm. Because we saw that she was manipulating the blades, she could have been pulling the power out of them as well. 
What I was struck by was the way that Arthur is so into the theatrics of this. When Merlin shows up and freezes Granny and Henry, he's like, I'm not into theatrics, but the person who's controlling me is. And it's the same with bringing everyone to the woods and chaining them up. You could have done that in the throne room. It's all about theatrics for him, though. Arthur's just a sad little theater kid. Mm. So Merlin tells her that darkness can always be fought and don't be like Nimue, blah, blah, blah. Set up for later in the episode. Yes. So we come from that to present day, where Arthur is now in a cell and Hook is beating him up and demanding to know who Nimue is. And David's like, hey, hey, back off my boy toy. The scene is shot so darkly and it's just saturated in red. Real weird. Weird choice. Weird choice. David pulls Hook away from the cell and he's like, you're not going to get any answers by asking questions. It's very dumb. Well, you're not going to get any answers by beating him up, is what David says, which is not a thing I think David believes. Yeah, since when? I I know David's just being a contrarian, but... David's just in love. uh, Mary Margaret seemed to think that they could get a lost boy to deliver a message uh, for them by beating the shit out of him. Yeah, but... Mary Margaret wasn't in love with the Lost Boy. Seriously, I wrote in my notes, David's heart is broken. And you know who else's heart is broken? Who? Regina. Seriously, Regina literally says, we're going to get our Emma back. And Hook's like, Emma said that all of this was about saving me. And Regina's like, yeah, no, she's manipulating you. Emma doesn't really care about you that much. They think that since Emma has Excalibur, she's going to use it to destroy light magic. And Hook's like, well, then why didn't she do that already? And Regina's like, well, magic is complicated. Obviously, she needs another ingredient. It's not like you can just wave your hand and, for instance, make Excalibur all of a sudden control the most powerful sorcerer in the world. Mm. Mm. So Regina's theory is that Emma needs another ingredient in order to destroy light magic, which is clearly her goal. So Hook is not buying this. He goes to see... The former Dark One, Rumpelstiltskin, who's looking at a snow globe for some reason. Yeah. All he does is stare at that snow globe all day. Oh, God. I wonder what he sees in there. Tommy Westerfall? Is Rumpelstiltskin a grown-up Tommy Westerfall? Well, remember back in season one when when Rumpelstiltskin was everyone? Mm. Rumpelstiltskin is Tommy Westerfall. So... Hook's like, crocodile, we need to talk. And Rumpel's like, that nickname never made any sense. And it especially makes less sense now that I'm apparently a hero. He says, didn't you hear? I'm not that man anymore. And I'm uh, like, oh, okay. So you no longer are the person who killed your first wife? Well, if we're taking the dark one to be like a different person thing, except it's not... We've been over this before. Being the Dark One is like having the Phoenix Force. It doesn't control you. It just brings you to your logical extremes. Right? Exactly. It is Rumple who did those things. He doesn't get to get off the... What? Off the hooker. Oh, God. (laughs) It's not intentional. But, you know, he doesn't get a pass just because he claims to have changed. He still committed a really heinous crime. Ugh. Anyway, Hooker's out there throwing mad shade at him anyway. All... Well, I don't know what Emma's real plan is because dark ones are super manipulative. And sometimes they pretend that they've changed, but they're really still assholes. Rumpel talks about how when he was the dark one, he thought he had what was a noble goal, rescuing his son. 
and that all of the bad things he did he would make up for once he achieved that goal but at some point being the dark one makes you lose sight of why you wanted that power in the first place well and rumple does give hook the advice that we've been shouting for this whole season which is if you want to figure out what emma's deal is figure out what her motivation is if only Rumpel could have written that on a letter and mailed it to the writers before they wrote this season. Mm. Also, Belle is standing in the background with a crossbow the whole time. And Hook's like, really? And she's like, you know, in case Emma comes by. And he's like, pointy sticks, not effective. Well, I mean, she's lying. She's really she's really doing that in case Hook decides to kill Rumpel now that Rumpel's mortal. Oh, jeez. Anyway, back in the flashback, a much more pleasant Rumpelstiltskin, who is still the dark one and currently residing mm. in Emma's head is taunting her about the flame that she's trying to light. Well, he's like, you can't go through with this because if you do, then Arthur's just going to use the sword to kill you, and that sucks for those of us who live in your head. Honestly, it's so refreshing after the last scene to see Robert Carlyle hamming it up as evil Rumpelstiltskin. And he points out that Merlin said that she can only cause the Promethean flame to ignite, otherwise it's just an ember. In order to make it catch fire, she has to be ready to get rid of the darkness, and he, uh doesn't think that she is he's safe in the uh thought that she cares a lot less about mary margaret than she does about power yes but you know she does care about henry yeah and henry shows up to remind emma what she would be giving up the darkness for and what she would be giving the darkness up for is a kicking house okay so Henry gives her a classified Zed. Remember how we've talked about classifieds in Storybook and what are they even advertising and where do those advertisements come from? Hey, maybe the house that Hook circled belonged to that guy who uh, Cora turned into a fish. Oh, well, what I was thinking is that house is always empty specifically so that it can be the house in the classifieds. And that's why Emma was able to find an empty house. Oh, yeah. There's a house in the classifieds. Hook has circled it. He wants to move in there with Emma and start a life with her. And all of a sudden, Emma realizes that maybe she can have a life after she's done being the Dark One and killing all dark magic in the world. Meanwhile, David and Mary Margaret are mildly irritated by this hostage situation. Yep, everyone is in the woods tied to the tree. Except Henry. You think they would have grabbed Henry if they wanted a good hostage situation? Honestly, this was a hostage situation of opportunity. Arthur just grabbed all of the people who walked right into his throne room. Hmm. So Merlin's like, I don't want to fight you, but I'm, you know, mystically being controlled into it. And Selena's like, I want to fight you and I don't have the magic inhibiting wrist cuff anymore. She's the dark one. You would lose that fight. Honestly, Arthur is really gambling a lot right now, making Emma so angry and assuming that the dark one is weaker than Merlin. Yeah, they both get their power from the same source. I mean, granted, Merlin's been using it a lot longer, but he's also actively fighting against fighting Emma. Also, he's been in a tree for generations. He's probably out of practice. Yeah, I mean, we saw he had to get that mystical iOS update from Belle to, like, unmagify the bars in Arthur's prison. Yeah, that's a very basic spell. He might be putting a lot of faith in Zelina to carry this extra weight, which... Speaking of Zelina, and speaking of Zelina carrying extra weight, thank you for that. We go from the flashback to Zelina in her cell reading a book of fairy tales to her fetus. Specifically Hansel and Gretel, which 
Emma Caulfield's ghost must be so pissed right now. Right? She's like, my blind witch is just as cool as Zelina, and you turned yourself into pretzels to keep Zelina around. Meanwhile, where am I? I mean, we'll see her next season. We will. We will see her. In hell! Yes, once we get into the hell season, it's a great chance to see characters we haven't seen in a while, such as the blind witch, such as Cruella, and such as, to a much lesser degree, James. David's twin brother. David's evil twin. Yeah, they actually, they're, it's like they realized, wait a second, one of our characters has an evil twin and we didn't use that at all. Uh, anyway, now for the scene where everyone is dumb. Yes, see, Zelina is reading her baby a story, Hansel and Gretel, when suddenly something starts happening to her, baby-wise. And she starts screaming and yelling, and at first, Nurse Ratchet doesn't believe her. But soon she goes to fetch Robin Hood and Regina, and she has that thing where they're like, what's happening? And she's like, you better see for yourselves. No, she's been mystically accelerated into, you know, she's at term now. She is going to give birth to this baby. And having your pregnancy mystically accelerated, apparently in this particular instance, is super painful. What is this, a Joss Whedon show? So I put in my notes to talk about magically accelerated pregnancies Mm. because this is a trope. And also, yeah, Joss Whedon likes torturing women. Did you see he's got a show on HBO coming out? I saw that he's got one coming out. I purposefully did not read anything about it. it, Doesn't it like take place in the past or something so he can all use all the weird, outdated, sexist terminology he wants? It's a Victorian based show. Yeah, it's about it's about female assassins, I think, in or. I think it's about female supernatural characters in Victorian England. Mm. So lots of chances to use the word quim or whatever, right? Yeah, it's basically going to be like Penny Dreadful. Uh, so anyway. So Wait, like- no, no. I wanted, to talk about mag- <laughs> I wanted to talk about magically accelerated pregnancies. All right. So I have this theory that, I mean, it's not a theory. Writers really love magical pregnancies, but writers, especially male writers, get bored after having to write a pregnant woman for nine months. So I feel like the magically accelerated pregnancy trope is born out of, oh my god, when are we going to get to the fireworks factory? It's weird because Charmed never did that. Did Charmed ever have a magically induced pregnancy? I mean... Having sex with a white lighter doesn't count for a magically induced pregnancy. Or a demon. Because we remember how much stuff Cole had to go through to get Phoebe pregnant the correct evil way. Right. But if if you get pregnant from having sex with a person you wanted to have sex with, with the full knowledge of whatever supernatural thing they had, that doesn't count as a magical pregnancy. So... I don't think Charmed ever did a fake-out magical pregnancy. Huh. I mean, Star Trek did fake-out magical pregnancies. We should watch that episode. Deanna Troy gets magically impregnated. Oh, dear. And it's an accelerated pregnancy. Ugh. It's funny, too, because it's in the early seasons of Star Trek The Next Generation, there are a bunch of episodes that were spec scripts for the first sequel series that didn't happen. There was supposed to be a sequel series, and that actually turned into Star Trek The Motion Picture. Hmm. And a lot of those scripts got recycled into Star Trek The Next Generation, and especially with the child, you can really tell that this script was written in the 70s. Was it a Marcus situation? Marcus? The guy who impregnated Carol Danvers with himself. Yes! Uh, that was by... that's It's one of the worst Avengers stories ever written. 
there's what's weird is with Deanna Troy, it's weirdly consensual. Like the the magical being comes to her in a dream, and she's all like pleased and happy about it. Then she wakes up pregnant and is not shocked at all. She's like, ah. This is a magical thing that happened from my magical dream. And she's like strangely cool with it. I see. I can't tell if it sounds familiar because I'm used to the Carol Danvers version. In that story, uh, Carol Danvers wakes up many months pregnant. No memories why. She gives birth to the kid almost instantly. She's freaking out, but for some reason no one else is. Well, it turns out Marcus was using his machines to calm everyone down. The same machines that made Carol Danvers more receptive to the idea of... Ugh. Yeah. But he couldn't make her calm down because he was inside of her? Yeah. Ugh. That's why she calms down as soon as she gives birth to the baby. No! Him. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's much more consensual in Star Trek The Next Generation. Anyway, magically accelerated pregnancies. My theory is they happen because male writers get bored writing pregnant women. Mm. It's really weird that Charmed never had one of those. So anyway, Zelina is going into labor... And the storybook crew asks how it could have happened. And Zelina says, dark magic. And Regina says, but who has dark magic to do something like that? She says, but who's dark magic? What? It's What? This scene needed to be rewritten like three or four more times before it was ready to be filmed. Seriously. So meanwhile, Hook is trying to get Emma's attention, but she won't come to his summons. So instead, he decides to pull a Lois Lane. Or a Bella Swan. Oh god, I forgot. Yes, or a Bella Swan to pick up from where we left off last week. He jumps off of a roof under the assumption that Emma will save him. And she does. She shows up and she teleports him to safety. Hook tells Emma that no matter what happened in Camelot, he will forgive her. No matter what she did in Camelot... He understands and will forgive her. I, you tell the rest, I can't go on. I'm so mad at Hook. So, Hook goes into a thing where he's like, I'll forgive you because whatever you've done, I promise you I've done something worse. Ugh, whatever. Yeah, and Emma's like, uh, yeah, you keep on calling yourself a villain, but really, dude, You shot Belle over the town border once. You're really on the shallow end of evil things. And he's like, oh, yeah. And he holds up his hand, which is full of rings. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah. Well, are you ready for some rapid fire exposition of things I've done that are completely out of character just to establish that I'm evil so that it makes sense at the end of this episode? Yeah, he's really he's really planning a whole bunch of Chekhov guns about why it would be a bad idea for someone like him to have the Dark One's level of power. He's like, you know all of this ridiculous costume jewelry I wear? These are actually all trophies of people I killed. Yeah, this one, this one I got because a guy was looking at me funny and I killed him in front of his wife. And this one was a guy who ran a puppy shop and he was mad at me because I kept on eating his puppies. So I had to drown him in a lake of his own blood. I thought you were going to say drown him in a lake of puppies, which TBH sounds like the best way to go. Yeah, you say that now. Anyway, I was like, well, back in Camelot, you used this ring to, like, pre-propose to me. We got pre-pre-engaged. It's an engagement to one day be pre-engaged. Um, so who did you kill for that ring? And he's like, I didn't kill anyone. This is my brother's ring. 
I wanted to see you wearing it every time we had sex for some reason. And she's like, okay, not I, the greatest, but it could have been worse. I think it's supposed to be a Rumpelstiltskin-esque, the man I used to be thing, maybe. You make me want to go back to the best version of myself. Okay. And she's like, so why are you still wearing all of this murder jewelry? And he's like, to remind me of the man I used to be and that I need to be better. I know how easy it is to slip into darkness, Emma. I know how easy it is to slip into darkness, audience. God. Hook thinks he's so dark. So Emma's like, okay, that's it. You, you've, you've proved to me that you can be trusted to learn my character motivation. Come to my place. Spoiler, this is a lie. She, uh, anyway, she takes Hook back to her house, which is the house that he had circled in the classifieds. And he's like, wow, even though I've been in this house several times this season, I think now is a good time to say that this is a great house. Exactly the one I would have picked out if I were picking out houses. She's like, speaking of that, why don't you look out at the ocean? Then there's a middle part where she shows him the classifieds where he circled the house and he recognizes his handwriting. And she's like, this house was going to be our future together. And then she gives him the goodnight kiss. Which is different from a Glasgow smile. It's very different from a Glasgow smile. Yeah. Yeah, no, she just knocks him out. What did she knock him out with? Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. Also, Given what we know about him at the end of this episode, how did she knock him out? It's a Leo situation. Not to keep going back to Charmed, but how did Leo keep getting knocked out if he's, you know, undead? Because the only thing he can't undead is himself. He's made out of sparkly lights. Why would punching him knock him unconscious? Okay, so here's the thing. The next scene is the greatest scene in this entire season, possibly in this entire show. Oh god, it's so awesome. I We can't do it justice. I'm going to put it in here. You are? I am. Someone scream for a doctor? There is an angry baby inside of me. Get it out! You know, the last time I delivered a baby, you tried to steal it. But why try to steal one when making one is so much more fun, right? Dr. Whale. We really need another doctor in this town. What's with the dye job? Oh, so, so Emma changes her hair and no one makes a fuss, but I get ridiculed? Yeah? Come on. You know you like it. Oh my god, stop talking! Didn't I kill you the last time I was here? No, you just threw me across the room. I hope that doesn't happen again this time. Okay, all business today. Got it. Uh, let's get those vitals going, get that baby out of you. So the scene is, the scene is Selena at the hospital giving birth. And let's talk about what makes the scene so amazing. It's the return of motherfucking Dr. Whale, except it's not, because he is very clearly being blamed from iZombie. Yes, Dr. Whale, of course, Dave Anders has been off doing iZombie, and he comes back and he's Blaine. It's Blaine now. They point out the hair because the zombies and iZombie have, you know. Bleached blonde hair. He's so great here. I can't do him justice. I can't. He is the charming, engaging serial killer we know and love from iZombie in this scene. So we cut back to the hostage situation back in Camelot. Where Zelina is way more confident than she has any right to be in this situation. She's like, all right, Miss Dark One, who of your family who you really love should I kill? Uh, like I killed Neil. 
Not baby Neil, who we've all seemed to have forgotten about, but Neil, the guy who got you pregnant. Your ambiguous true love, maybe? I think maybe her potential true love. And that's why it's really tragic that Neil died. Yeah. Also because he was really good at making the plot go forward. Right? We really needed him this season. Anyway, Emma's like, well, here's the box with the flame in it. And Arthur is smarter than that. So Arthur's like, why don't you open the box over there, Zelina? Yeah, why don't you stand away from me and open the box and make sure it's legit? And it is, in fact, not legit. It is a peanut butter container full of snakes. It is a small gold box filled with terrible CGI. Which wraps Zelina up and ties her to a tree. Okay, so it's not... I want to know why they did this shot the way they did. They've got, like, this moving camera thing, and Zelina's kind of being carried by the straps so backwards, and the camera's moving with her until she gets stuck to the tree. So the magical ribbons come out of the box, and they do bind Zelina to a tree. And they obviously wanted to do the thing where she was, like, fast-pulled into the tree. But she's just slowly backwards sauntering into the tree. Like... It's, it's like high school drama club stage direction when two people are fighting and they're very clearly moving so that they're not going to actually hurt or touch each other. It's like, could they not afford to speed up the film? That's not even a... Uh, who knows? It's like they slowed it down so you could see how bad the effects were. Yeah. There's a reason you did the bear stuff in the dark and quickly. Right. Anyway, we we see Regina's face, and Regina is so proud of her girlfriend, y'all. She's so happy. So Arthur's like, Merlin, kick her ass! And Merlin's like, sorry about this, and they have a Dragon Ball Z or Harry Potter versus Voldemort fight, whichever direction you want to go here. Yeah, it's the wizard fight where they're both shooting out different colors of energy, and the energy is... It's a beam struggle. It's, that's what they call it in Dragon Ball Z, and that's what it is. It's two people stand on opposite sides of a field and throw beams of energy at each other until one of them gets knocked over, which is how they did wizard fights in the Harry Potter movies, which is bullshit because the wizard fights in the books were like, you know, enchanting stuff to come alive and attack each other, and it wasn't just shooting energy at each other until someone fell down. Okay, here, here's the thing. Mm Mm-hmm. That is accurate, but in the fights we see between Harry and Voldemort, they are like that. Because their wands have the same core, so they're, like, pushing against each other. Mm. And Also because Harry would lose straight up in a fight that was, like, using complicated magic to fight someone. Yes. So it actually makes sense that the directors of the movies would want to set up that visual language before they got to the Harry-Voldemort fights. So I agree with that change. Mm. Merlin does prove that he's the more powerful of the two by knocking Emma on her ass. But not killing her because his heart is not in it. And Arthur's like, okay, so you know how hostage situations go. Choke Mary Margaret to death with tree tentacles. And... Trentacles. Yes. And Merlin casts a spell to create some trentacles. And man, poor Jennifer Goodwin has no idea where they're going to put that CGI. Yeah, she's very clearly trying to give them as much room as possible to work. She's got her neck strained out and she's like, I don't know where the CGI is going to be coming from. And at one point she flinches and looks towards a place where there is not CGI. Oh, it's... I mean, I might put this on the CGI people here. Yeah, they should have put it where she was looking. Yeah. 
But Merlin does manage to hold off his darkness briefly. Yes, Emma tells him, you know, fight it. You can fight it. Remember, you're Merlin, the most powerful sorcerer in the world. Just fight it off for like 10 seconds while I get myself together. Meanwhile, Emma's just kind of sitting on the ground. She could probably just mystically knock Arthur over. I was really wondering about that. But speaking of people doing things they should absolutely be able to have done like 10 minutes ago, Hook gets out of his cuffs and he does it really easily. You know why? Uh, cause he only has one hand, so all he does is, like, take off his hook and the chains fall off him. Why did he not do that before? Well, everyone's distracted now. Jesus Christ, Hook. And Zelina's tied up, which Zelina would be the one to look out for here. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. But seriously, why- this is the same issue I have with Juggernaut fights, where I- like, I guess it has to be enchanted- But why doesn't Jean Grey just lift the helmet off, you know, telekinetically lift the helmet off and then telepathically shut him down? Yeah. Why didn't Emma just Accio Excalibur? I, I agree. I mean, I don't know what to say other than I agree. But anyway, Hook punches Arthur. He unties Zelina and the two of them bamf away. And Emma heals the very tiny cut that Hook has gotten on his neck from Excalibur while he fought Arthur. Yes. When Hook went to punch Arthur out, he got a tiny cut from Excalibur on his neck. This might be plot significant later. In the fight, Arthur has dropped Excalibur, so now they have the flame, they have the dagger, they have the sword. Happy endings all around, let's call this season early. Mm, yes. So, back in Granny's... Every character you forgot about being here is here, except for baby Neil. He's napping upstairs? He's with Ross's mother. Missing from the diner is Emma, who we are told is off somewhere on her own because she needs to relight the spark, and she said she needed some privacy, some alone time, to contemplate the darkness inside her in order to be able to do that. Now... Emma is standing outside of the diner near a well, looking at all of these objects when she's approached by Regina. For a while, I thought this was actually going to be Zelina in disguise. I did too! We we did see Zelina escape with Arthur while everyone was celebrating Hook punching Arthur in the face. She's a known doppelgang committer. Mm. Is that doppelgangy? Doppelganger. So... I thought that, that that this was going to be a fake out, but it's not. This actually is Regina, and she is trying to get Emma to confront her darkness and being real hardcore about it. Okay, this is one of two instances in this episode where everyone just needs to back off and let a character get the job done, and instead they fuck everything up. Regina picks up the Dark One dagger, and she tells Emma, As your friend, I am ordering you to confront your darkness. Yeah. She's doing that thing that we always say people should do with the Dark One Dagger. She's like, as your friend, I am asking you to work through, I'm commanding you to work through your issues, get over your shit so we can wrap this storyline up and go home. You know, this actually reminds me of, um, last night we went to a Double Clicks concert Mm -hmm. and, uh, the singer Laser is like, put your hands up in the air and wave them around. And then at the end of the song, they're like, I hope you understand that you don't have to do what I say. What I mean is, if you feel like it would add to your enjoyment of the show and you're comfortable with doing it, please put your hands up in the air and wave them around. Yes. That's how Regina is right now with the Dark One dagger. Dark One, I command you, because I'm your friend and I really care about your well-being, to break down your walls and confront your darkness. 
but apparently Emma's emotional walls are more powerful than the Dark One dagger. Well, the the line they throw out to excuse that is, she is forced to look at them, but not to see them. Ugh. Yes, she says that she's afraid of letting go of the darkness because she won't be able to protect her family. And Regina's like, bullshit, what are you really afraid of? And then everyone runs up and stops her. They're like, Regina, how dare you be cruel to Emma? And Regina's like, I'm not being cruel, I'm being, well, actually she's like, I am being cruel, but it's something she needs to do. This... Well, she says, she says, I'm not being cruel, it's not my fault that it's painful. Hmm. And she tells, she tells Mary Margaret, listen, you'll know when I'm being cruel. Look, looking at yourself with a critical lens is not a pleasant thing. Right, and it's true. Anyway, we cut back from that very emotional scene to the present, where we are having a very stereotypical, almost sitcom-y woman in labor scene. Yes, Regina is the dad, I guess, because she's standing outside the room with Mary Margaret. And Regina's like, I'm not very comfortable with this situation. And Mary Margaret's like, but hey, you've got a new family member, and everyone freaking loves babies, right? And Regina's like, I'm already related to everyone in this goddamn town through either marriage or blood or magic. I don't need more family members. So the baby is born, and it is a girl who will not get a name for a very long time. They name her Robin. Yeah, spoilers. So Emma bamps into the room. And then she throws Dr. Whale against the wall. She does this neat little hand flourish, and Dr. Whale goes flying up to the wall for literally no reason it is just comedic effect for us he's not standing in her way or anything he's just in the corner doing doctor stuff what i really like about this is it is the opposite of what happened when zelina came to the hospital to steal snow's baby when zelina confronted dr whale post-birth she waved her hand at him and he passed out delicately onto a conveniently placed couch. Right, he like carefully walked over and then placed himself on a fainting couch. I forgot about that. Yeah, which makes it even weirder when Selena's like, didn't I kill you? And he's like, no. You barely threw me down. You looked at me hard and I sat on a couch. So Selena's like, you're not gonna take my baby. And Emma's like, you're right, I'm not. And she grabs Selena and bamps out. And listen, listen. I know no one wants to kill people, but everyone freaks out about this instead of just saying, oh, hey, look, problem solved. Yeah. So Emma has Zelina now. Robin has the baby. Regina has Robin. Yeah. It's the circle of life. So back in Emma's murder basement... Uh, she has Hook and Zelina both chained up together. Yep. And Zelina fills Hook in on what's been happening, which is that Emma magically incubated her baby and then brought her down to the murder basement. Yeah. She she notices all of the spell stuff that Emma has set up in the corner and concludes that Emma's plan is to steal her magic. And Hook's like, she's the dark one. Why would the shit would she want your stupid magic? And Emma's like... I don't. No, no, it's, I don't. I don't. I don't. I can't do it. Yeah, no, she's like, I don't. I'm going to give you my magic and then fucking stab you with Excalibur, thus ridding the world of all dark magic forever. Yeah. Good plan. 
That's a great plan! I mean, I can see where it would have room for error. Well, sure, it's not a foolproof plan, but I'm I'm excited about the outline of it. And then Zelina realizes, oh, that's why you sped up my pregnancy. And I was I, like, yeah. I don't kill innocent children. And Hook's like, oh, that's where you draw the line? That's a good place to draw the line. That's a really solid place to draw the line. I do kill evil magical witches who have done nothing but try to kill me. And I don't kill innocent children. I mean, there's a lot of area between those two extremes, so I would want to know exactly where that line is drawn, but I'm comfortable with one thing being on one side of that line and the other thing being on the other. And honestly, we're in a world where moral complexity really doesn't exist. You are a good person or you are an evil person. That's it. Emma even says if we let her go, she will figure out a way to kill us, and Zelina, who is right there, is like, damn straight I will. I will fucking murder you. Yeah, and... Emma points out, Zelina already killed Maid Marian, and more importantly, Neil. Remember? She mentioned it like two episodes ago, when I was trying to make a deal with her. Anyway, we cut from there to the past, where Emma has run off because she's all sad about not being able to confront her darkness. And Hook shows up. Ugh, god, I'm getting really sick of these Hook-Emma romantic scenes. It made some sense earlier on, but now they're into schmoopy territory, and I just don't buy it. I bought them as, like, a battle couple. I bought them- Yes! You know, it's like speed! You're you're going to have to, uh... The movie Speed, otherwise known as the bus that could not slow down. Oh, yes. How Sandra Bullock was super into Keanu Reeves, but only under that circumstance. Right, she's like super in, she's like, a, she's an adrenaline junkie. And so she's super into this romance that is built on a intense one-off situation. They even call out in the movie that relationships based on that will not work out. Yeah. Well, That's the last line of the movie. We'll have to base it on sex then. I'm okay with that. And then in the second movie, they aren't together. No, they are. He's just a different person. No, he's a di- no they're not together. Believe me. I've seen Speed 2. Cruise Control. I've seen Speed 2 too. I thought they just recast him. No, she mentions how she... The other guy is basically exactly him. Like, he has the same job. He does the same shit. But he's not Keanu Reeves. And she mentions how she had to break up with Keanu Reeves because she realized she was addicted to danger. Why didn't they just make it Keanu Reeves? It's the same... Like, her relationship with What's-His-Face is lagging. Jason Patrick. Jason Patrick. So they take a cruise. And that could have just been Keanu Reeves. Just recast him. Eh. They go through the same character arc they would have gone through had it been Keanu Reeves. She's getting bored with the relationship. Then the cruise ship they get on has the same situation that the bus got into. I I think you can get away with that if it's a straight-to-DVD sequel. But I don't think you can get away with that in a theatrical release. I think you can use the exact same script, but you have to throw in one line explaining why it's a different actor. I don't know. Uh, Which is what they did in Speed 2 Cruise Control. James Rhodes. Yeah. Let's say you couldn't have done that in the 90s. Mm. Hook makes Emma realize that the reason she can't confront the darkness is because she's afraid of commitment. She knows that once this plot is over, she'll be forced to marry Hook. So she's just not ready to be done. Oh no, when this chapter's over, we're gonna have to live happily ever after. I better drag this chapter out. She's like, now that you put it out there, I'm not afraid anymore. And he's like, that sounds like music to this pirate's ears. And I groan, you don't, 
stop say stop referring to yourself in the third person as a pirate everyone stop calling hook a pirate all the time we know what he is he's not even a pirate anymore yeah he's a guy who lives on land and doesn't rob people there's a word for that it's a guy he's a guy so back in the present we're at the second time when everyone decides to fuck it up instead of letting someone solve the problem yeah it's really weird the storybook crew this being regina David and Mary Margaret show up, and Regina's like, I'm going to show the dark swan what real dark magic is. Which, what? You can't just say words. Words need to have meaning. She's like, no one's going to kill my sister except for me, which seems like a solution to me. I'm sure Emma would have been more than happy for Regina to be the one who wielded Excalibur. You know what? Maybe if Emma had made her plans known, at least to Regina. Hmm. Then Regina would have been on her side, and they would be done by now. I was going to say Regina did have a anti-killing boner with her sister at the end of season three, but a lot of stuff has happened since then. Yeah, it's true. Anyway, David and Mary Margaret and Regina all agree that the plan is to screw up Emma's plan, but David and Mary Margaret think they can do it without hurting Emma, and Regina's not so sure. So before they go screw everything up for Emma, they're going to fight on the front porch about it. Meanwhile, in the murder basement, Hook and Zelina are talking about escaping from the murder basement. Zelina's got a brand spanking new anti-magic bracelet, but this one is fancier and it can't just be removed by anyone. It needs to be removed by magic. Okay, here's the thing. She says, I can't just cut my wrist off like I did last time. But she doesn't say that the cuff itself is enchanted. Hmm. But it doesn't matter because Hook has a magic hook, you remember, so that he can rip out people's hearts. And for some reason that translates into being able to cut off magic inhibiting bracelets. You know what? Let's just go with it. Let's just get this over with. Because hmm. we're, we're into the dumb part of the episode. We're past the most amazing scene. So he cuts her free and he's like, you're not going to stab me in the back, are you? And she's like, uh, nah, just kidding. You're free. Yep. She does do a spell so that she's not wearing a hospital gown anymore. And I relate to that strongly. So, meanwhile, David and Mary Margaret and Regina are still arguing on the porch. (laughs) And Regina, I like that Regina's argument is that Emma trusted me with the dagger because she knew that I was the only one who would have the good ideas. So I should definitely get to go do whatever I want. Yeah. Solid point, Regina. And Emma comes out and she's like, you guys are yelling literally outside of my window. What the hell? And then she's like, Regina, you should be happy. I'm going to kill Zelina and that will fix literally everything for everyone. And she's right. But everybody's like, no, don't do that. Don't kill the murdering rapist. Don't. If you kill the murdering rapist, then you're just as bad. God damn it. Uh, And Emma casts a freezing spell on them. She sort of just bangs Excalibur onto the ground and then a whole bunch of lights light up. That's funny. You're right. That is a freezing spell. Although when it happened, I thought she was putting a dome around the house to, like, protect what she was about to do. That would have been smarter. Yeah, I really don't get why she did what she did. We know she, we know she can freeze people without wielding Excalibur. This is specifically an Excalibur-specific I think the point was for the CGI to be really fancy so that we, the audience, would know that her power level is much higher here in the present day than it was in the flashback. So, Zelina goes out the back door since she can see all the light 
stuff going on on the front porch. But Hook is going to wait because he knows, because Rumple has told him, that Emma has squid ink somewhere in the house. So he's going to find the squid ink and force Emma to talk by freezing her in place. Yes, it was established earlier in the episode that Rumpel had squid ink that he was going to use to defend himself, but it has gone mysteriously missing. There's a point when Hook is scavenging through her stuff where he sees a painting on the wall and he takes it off the wall and it turns out that the squid ink is taped to the back of the painting. But I was hoping that the squid ink would have been, because it's an ink drawing of trees. It would have been in the ink. Right? The way it was with Rumpel before on when he was writing on the paper. Yeah, when they when he put all the stuff on the scroll, so. That would have been so much cooler. Anyway, what could have been, right? Yeah. So, Emma is frozen by the squid ink, and then Zelina comes in from the backyard. Yeah, she's like, oh, I just realized if your plan was successful, then... I could have a lot more fun than just running, so I decided to hang out and see how that worked out. Also, I found this exposition dream catcher. Luckily, I happened to grab the one dream catcher that had all of the pertinent memories to this, and now I know what the Dark Swan has been trying to hide. And she also says that now she is going to make Emma pay and stabs Hook... In the shoulder. The you know, dialogue says that he stabbed in the chest, but she absolutely stabs him in the shoulder. Yeah. Right? Yeah, they could have gone through this scene a few more times. Writing and or acting. I mean, it's clearly his shoulder. Anyway, she stabs Hook in the shoulder. And Heart. Hook... Whatever. Yeah, well, you know, Hook keeps his heart in his shoulder. Ah, like all pirates do. Yes. And Hook's like, why am I not dead? Shouldn't I be dead right now? And Zelina's like, for the answer to that, look inside of this dream catcher. Um, I'm going to pause real quick for a second. And just remind everyone about earlier in the episode when Hook said no matter what Emma did in Camelot, he would forgive her. All right, let's get into it. All right. So I honest to God do not know why Zelina thinks that this is going to end well for her. It does, but it shouldn't. Right? We use the Dreamcatcher to go right back to where we were in the flashback. Everyone is in Granny's diner, and Emma, now over her commitment issues, is ready to unite the dagger and Excalibur and destroy the darkness once and for all. And she starts to do it. But when she starts to do it, Hook starts thrashing around on the ground like a fish on the dock. Hey, remember earlier in the episode... When Hook knocked out King Arthur and got a tiny little nick on his neck from Excalibur. Yeah, well now he is bleeding all over the place. It turns out that part of Excalibur's magic is that its wounds can never heal. Right, because it doesn't just cut away... Magic. Right. It, it, it's so sharp that it cuts away your life. Okay. That... Okay, what was Merlin's plan then? Because Merlin forged Excalibur specifically to cut away his magic. Well, he... I, I think he could... I think the idea is that you could literally slice away your magic without slicing yourself. That's how sharp it is. Okay, but that's not what happened. He never had a chance to use it. And to be fair, he doesn't say that it cuts away Hook's life. He says it cuts away immortality, which is what he planned to do. By stabbing himself and then bleeding to death? Yeah... 
He wasn't going to break the skin on himself. He was just going to wave it around his body till his immortality was cut away. This is stupid. I'm sorry. This is real stupid. They should have just had, I don't know, Merida shoot an arrow through the window and hit Hook in the neck. Hilarious. Except that there are like five people in that diner who could have healed that. And that's the point. No one here can heal this. Merlin says that he's not powerful enough to heal it. He says Emma's not powerful enough to heal it. And then Emma's like, wait, wait, wait. Why don't I take Excalibur and just make it another Dark One blade and then make us both be Dark Ones and we can be Dark Ones together and it'll save his life. And everyone's like, uh, that's kind of a bad idea. Like, maybe you shouldn't do that. And she's like, she only talks to Regina here. She's like, what if you had the chance to save Robin or that dude, you know, the stable boy, what's his bucket? And Regina's like, and Emma's like, fuck you, and teleports off with Hook. And Hook is like, no, let me die. I don't want to be a dark one, which, to be honest, she should have let him die if he says, let me die. I don't want to be a dark one. Yes, consent is important. But who would rather die than be a dark one for like five minutes while Emma figures out how to save the day? Seriously, all you have to do is be the dark one for like, again, five minutes. She remerges the sword in the thing, blah, 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 cuts away all dark magic. There. Five minutes later. And Hook is all, but remember, remember before when I gave all the exposition about how evil I am? I could never fight the darkness like you. He's like, remember all of the stuff we just established in this episode for how bad I am? That will kick in if I become the dark one and I'll be cartoonishly evil. And she's like, I don't believe you'd be cartoonishly evil. You'd be really terrible at it and it would be super unconvincing and it would just be like... Really, really irritating. Ugh. She shouldn't have done it. You know what? She shouldn't have done it. But she does it. She uses Excalibur to create a new Darkwind dagger. She takes Excalibur, which has Merlin's name on it now, does some sort of spell, and we see the darkness being pulled out of Merlin and going into the sword, which implies to me that she's taking Merlin's magic and that Merlin's magic has been tied to the sword the way Nimue's magic was tied to the Dark One dagger, which means that Excalibur should be the source of light magic, and it should create a light one, since Merlin is the source of all light magic. Except that his magic comes from the same place Nimue's magic came from, which means Merlin has been the first Dark One since he drank from the Holy Grail. I, I, I mean, I, I, if I'm going to follow this show out logically, that's the conclusion I base, I, I come to, right? Am I putting too much thought into this? Yeah, well, he should be the first... It's the source of magic, and I get the impression that magic is what you do with it, and that's why Nimue became the Dark One, because the first thing she did with her magic was kill a dude. Well, then how come Emma had to fight off the darkness instead of just being Emma? And if it's what you do with it, then why will Hook have any issue staying good? Well, Emma already had the darkness in her from when she killed Cruella. What?! Meanwhile, Merlin, although we don't know his backstory, is apparently, I mean, Merlin is the best dude. Well, yeah, I mean, so given. Anyway, none of that matters. What matters now is that Hook is tied to Excalibur. We see the name on Excalibur change from Merlin to Killian Jones. And also, Emma gets a magical costume change. Yes, as soon as she puts the Dark Oneness in Hook... Suddenly she's surrounded by black smoke and then she's wearing her official Dark One outfit. Yeah, the black scaled leather with the bleached blonde hair. Like, doing that was the ultimate act of evil that caused her to go over the edge. 
Oh no, she saved Hook's life. The ultimate act of evil. <laughs> good point, good point. And then we see Hook rising out of the Dark One well. Wearing the Dark One trainee robe. And then we cut to Hook in the present day, watching all of this in the Dreamcatcher, and being like, oh, I know I said I could forgive anything you did in Camelot, but saving my life in a way that's mildly inconvenient to me crosses a line. Yeah, for some reason, giving me untold mystical power... To save my life. They, You know what they should have done? They should have played up his thing with Rumpelstiltskin. That he blamed Rumpelstiltskin for his first wife being killed, and specifically the Dark One aspect of him. If they built up his thing being against the Dark One, that I feel like that might have worked better here. He is so mad at Emma right now. And I, I hinted at this earlier in the episode, but when we were first watching this, I was like, well, that's just cartoonishly over the top. Clearly, Hook and Emma have some sort of plan, and they're tricking Zelina. But no, Hook's like, fuck you for saving my life. I'm going to be evil with Zelina now. Zelina and I are working together. We're both evil. Fuck you. Goodbye. What? Fuck all of them. I'm done with Hook. Done with Hook. Yeah. Like I said, this is the episode that ruins Hook forever. Fuck Hook. I mean, I think we said that Hook was ruined forever when he shot Belle over the town line. I think you said that. You took that a lot harder than I did. I'm very sensitive to the way Belle is treated in this show. The The fact that Belle is constantly treated as just a pawn. Well, she's the show's whipping boy. I don't like that. That's fair. So. But, God, even Merida took her shots at Belle. Not cool, guys. But yeah, so that was this episode. It's mostly really, really good except for the end. The best part of this episode is when we get a visit from iZombie. And... It briefly becomes an entirely different show. And iZombie did a similar thing where Liv turned a person into a zombie to save their life and the person was super pissed about it. Mm. But it was done really well. Yeah. God, iZombie's a good show. You should watch iZombie. Even if you're not really a huge fan of procedurals, Blaine is an amazing character. He's the worst, but he's amazing. He's the worst, but he's the best at being the worst. So next week will be, for some reason, another Merida episode. So that's going to wrap it up. Our show is partially listener supported. If you would like to become one of our patrons, you can go to our website, ilovetelevisionzines.com, and click on our Patreon link. You can also listen to older episodes while you're there. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, and Ryan. If you'd like to help the show out in other ways, you can always rate and review us on iTunes. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, you could head over to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash ilovetelevisionzines. We could also be reached at ilovetvzines on Twitter or at ilovetelevisionzines at gmail.com. So, until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to Storybrooke. And I never hoist the mainstay, and I never swab the poop deck, and I never fear the starboard, cause I never sail at all. And I've never walked the gangplank, and I've never owned that ferret, and I've never been to Boston in the fall. Cause we're the pirates who don't do anything. We'll hit your We don't do anything.